This episode is made possible with the help of our friends at Deep Eddie Vodka. Hey everyone, this is Cappy and you're listening to Beyond the Drink, a production of Beyond the Plate. Beyond the Drink is a short segment where some of the best mixologists in the country explain the fascinating stories and recipes behind their favorite drinks. In this week's episode, our first Beyond the Drink, we're kicking it off with none other than Tony Abugano. Tony is widely regarded as one of the pioneering and leading bar professionals in the world. Fact. He is the author of the Modern Mixologist Contemporary Classic Cocktails and a second book called Vodka Distilled. He's won three Iron Chef competitions pairing cocktails with various Iron Chefs, and he has a signature branded line of bar tools under the Modern Mixologist brand. I've got to add this about Tony. I've known him for quite a long time. He is an incredibly kind, generous, and super talented human. This is a guy that is a true, true leader in the cocktail world with cocktail culture. The techniques he uses, the ingredients he uses, the descriptors he uses, all have been borrowed and used from hundreds upon thousands of other mixologists really around the world. Anyhow, Tony's going to walk us through one of my favorite cocktails. It's called the Luce del Sol. This is a cocktail that my wife and I and our friends Alana and Jeremy discovered when we lived in New York City. There was a restaurant down the street from us called Bar Milano that we loved. And sure enough, Tony happened to design the cocktail menu. So we probably drank one too many of these in our day, but they were all well worth it. If you want to get this recipe, Tony's going to walk us through it in detail. But if you want to get the exact recipe, check out the episode notes in your podcast player, or you can go to beyondtheplatepodcast.com. We'll put it there too. So please enjoy this episode as we go beyond the drink with Tony Abugana. Hi, I'm Tony Abugana founder of The Modern Mixologist here in Las Vegas, Nevada. And I got a wonderful, fun, lively, summertime, refreshing drink called the Luce del Sol. It's a, it's just that. It's a, you know, it's a little bolt of sunshine in a glass. A drink that I created in the early 2000s. I was in Finland for the summer solstice and uh, tried this grapefruit vodka with Dale de Groff got to pretty friendly with each other. I got to know Dale really well. And this was one of the drinks that came out of that. And when we opened Bar Milano in New York City, this was on the opening cocktail menu and uh, received great reviews and raves. Um, I believe even uh, you had one or two of those, Andrew. You are right. I probably was one of those uh, rave reviews. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and it's just, it's been in my repertoire of drinks that I've put on menus. Uh, our, our restaurant here in Las Vegas, Libertine Social, in uh, Detroit at Highlands and Hearth at the Renaissance Center, we feature this drink. And it's just become, like I said, a, a stable and it's just really good. And it Evolved out of a time when we were just being introduced in this country to Aperol. I had discovered Aperol on a trip to Italy and fell in love with it there and was very disappointed that it wasn't available at that time in the United States. And fantastically enough, uh, shortly thereafter, it, it was imported and continues to, to be a staple. And I use it in a lot of drinks as a modifier, kind of a softer version of a Campari. And, uh, you know, I, I, I love to sweeten, you know, drinks with different sweeteners. And here I used a, a clover honey. And, you know, the beautiful thing about honey is, you know, you can bring 
sweetness, but you can also bring these really beautiful flavors from different styles of honey. So I work a lot with honey as a sweetener and a lot of fresh citrus. Here we're using both fresh squeezed orange juice and fresh squeezed lemon juice. So it's really a, a simple twist on a sour featuring a grapefruit vodka, modified that with Aperol, fresh, just, you know, there's no substitute for fresh ingredients in your drink. And the, the name translates loosely to uh, sunshine sour. And like I said, it's a little bolt of sunshine in a glass. That's fantastic. Tell us about, you said clover honey, but I, I see, and for everybody, we'll put this recipe in the episode notes as well as on the uh, Beyond the Play podcast website. But I see honey syrup in the ingredient list. Can you explain what exactly a honey syrup is versus uh, basic sugar simple syrup? Absolutely, Andrew. I Any type of uh, sweetener that you might use like agave, like molasses, uh, like honey, it, on its own, it's a little bit too thick. So I always make it into a syrup by adding equal parts honey to an equal part of warm water, dissolving that, letting it cool and refrigerate it. Um, it just will blend better and give me the same consistency of sweetness. You can also make sweeteners out of any variety of sugars, you make a turbinara sh sugar and make demerara syrup, uh, granulated. And another thing I like to do is I like to make a, a tea. So I'll use a tea and do the same ratios of one to one. So one part of a strong tea to one part sugar and make a tea syrup. So I can bring beautiful like chamomile floral notes to the drink through uh, the use of tea. That sounds amazing. Actually, you know what, Tony? I think you were the one who really introduced honey syrup back when I was digging. I was digging for this recipe before it was in your um, some of your books. And when I came across the honey syrup, I I loved the whole like what it stood for because it dissolves, you know, in a cold drink. And I I actually come. It's come to be a staple in my own pantry. Like I'll put it in if I'm making a nice coffee drink or something like that. I'll use it for that. It's pretty delicious too. Yeah, it's an interesting way. Like I said, there's so many different honeys and they all have a different kind of character and flavor profile. So you can uh, you can experiment in different ways. You know, it's something as simple as fresh lemon juice and honey uh, and gin. Uh, it's just a classic cocktail after that. <laughs> Amazing. And so, you know, school us a little bit. I know you're a big fan. A lot of your like ethos, if you will, is like fresh, fresh, fresh and good ingredients. So I know this calls for fresh squeeze lemon juice, as you mentioned, as well as fresh squeeze orange juice. And I've, I know myself, I've stopped making a cocktail if I didn't have the good stuff. I never use the plastic, you know, lemon, but just explain the importance of that, if you will. Well, it's very similar to cooking and the preparation of drinks. And I have a saying that I don't like to arm wrestle Mother Nature. So in the summertime, when I get those beautiful vine ripe Michigan strawberries, uh, I'm going to work those into a drink. And, you know, when watermelons are in season, there's nothing better than fresh watermelon juice. So I, I do. I make drinks seasonally. Pretty much my recipes or my original recipes, and, and I think it was Mencken who once said there'll never again be a totally original recipe, just variations on drinks that have come before it. And, you know, I have a style and it, it is a, a citrus forward style of drink and utilizing a lot of fresh uh, ingredients. So when I get those beautiful red raspberries, you, you can do a 
easy twist on a Tom Collins by either muddling raspberries with lemon juice and simple syrup, adding gin, shaking, strain and spritzing with a soda, cold soda, or make it into a, a, an elevate that to a French 75 and replace the soda with champagne and gin and red raspberries. They're just sapotico. Those flavors play so well together. So you know, once you understand that the classic recipes, it's very easy utilizing fresh ingredients to add another layer of complexity and flavor and freshness and seasonality to that drink. Yeah, that's amazing. And then I know. So so let me ask you something. Why did you why did you why do you think you use vodka specifically for this cocktail? I know you have a book specifically on vodka cocktails, which I'm a huge fan of vodka myself. And I remember I actually remember being in Vegas and meeting up with you for a drink when you were telling me about that book. But why do you I know you know, to some people, th- there's spirits that have are more flavor forward, if you will. But vodka, a lot of people think is, you know, it's a base. It doesn't have much flavor. But can you share a little bit more why you chose vodka for this cocktail? Well, when I was in Finland uh, with Dale and I tasted this grapefruit vodka, that's really the inspiration for the drink. Um, generally, when asked to create a drink, I, I always start with the base spirit and try to build and add flavors to that base spirit that are gonna complement it, give it complexity and become more than the sum of the parts. And after tasting that vodka, that was really the jumping off point for this drink. And the first thing I did was brought, like I said, the Aperol in as the modifier, and then didn't really need to go too much further with that. Tried it just as a sour with lemon and simple, wasn't where I wanted it to be. That's why I brought in the fresh orange juice and played with some different sweeteners. And finally, I happened on the honey syrup, which just to me brought the whole drink together. Will you explain to me what you mean? You, you've you mentioned you use Aperol as a modifier. Will you explain what you mean um, by that? Well, it's uh, verbiage that I and many others have borrowed from David Emery from The Fine Art of Mixing Drinks, the wonderful book he put out in the 40s. Uh, when you look at the structure of a drink, and I think a good example of this would be a Manhattan. So you have your base spirit, in the case of Manhattan, which would be the rye whiskey. You have your modifying liqueur, in the case of the Manhattan, would be your sweet vermouth. And then you have your different accents. And again, in the case of the Manhattan, that's your Angostura bitters. So you can kind of look at that in a margarita, base spirit would be the tequila and the modifying liqueur would be the Cointreau. And it doesn't always work exactly, but if you keep a ratio of two to one, you're gonna be in a pretty sweet spot with the balance of the drink. So two part base spirit, one part modifier. Love it. Thank you for that. Tony, this was incredible. I encourage all listeners to make this cocktail at home. I sure have plenty of times. Um, You will not be disappointed if you're a refreshing, citrusy, more fruit forward cocktail guy like I happen to be. You will enjoy this. And Tony, you know, a lot of our guests on Beyond the Plate, which is our companion podcast to this episode of Beyond the Drink, um, they all give back in different ways. That's one of the main reasons we started the podcast. And I know you are an extremely generous uh, human 
as well. So uh, we'd like to give you a moment to kind of shed some light on an organization or fund that you'd like to raise awareness for. Has there been an organization that you've worked with or that's impressed you or moved you recently? Well, Andrew, thank you very much for that. Yes. Um, as you know, I'm a lifetime member of the United States Bartenders Guild, and we formed under the Charitable Foundation with the USBG the Helen David Relief Fund. Uh, it's a charity that I started in 2010 in memory of my cousin, Helen David, who not only beat breast cancer twice in her life, but uh, ran a bar for nearly 70 years in Fort Huron, Michigan. So I started the Helen David Relief Fund to benefit bartenders and their families who have been affected by breast cancer. And we help with all the incidental expenses so that you can concentrate on battling this disease, your treatment, your recovery, and getting back uh, behind the bar. That's amazing. Thank you for sharing that. And we look forward to hearing more from you uh, throughout this season, uh, throughout the whole season of Beyond the Plate. But before we before we end, let's do a, a super short little speed round with you. We'll start it off with number one, name the cocktail that inspired you to get behind the bar. Uh, the Manhattan for sure. Uh, my cousin, Tony Abuganum, who I'm named after and who's a lifetime bartender and God rest his soul, just passed away. On my 18th birthday, my mom and dad took me to the Brass Rail Bar for my first legal drink at the age of 18 in 1978. <laughs> and I remember my cousin making all of these drinks in my honor, but it was the Manhattan that really had that effect on me. That said, there's something more to this and I'm going to get to the bottom of this glass. I love that. Number two, tell me the last cocktail that you made at home. Uh, the last cocktail I made at home was just a uh, Boulevardier, which, if as you know, is a bourbon twist on the Negroni, my favorite drink. So I've been uh, playing with different bourbons and uh, the Baker's 107 for me, probably. Uh, well, I don't want to say it's my favorite, but it's the reigning champ right now. And that's what I, I, I was making the other night. Amazing. Thank you, sir. Greatly appreciate your time. Always a pleasure. I hope we get to uh, cheers to a delicious cocktail in person sometime in the near future. I will look forward to that, Andrew. Happiness. Thanks, Tony. Find more on Tony Abuganam at themodernmixologist.com. To get this recipe, check out the episode notes in your podcast player or go to beyondtheplatepodcast.com. This episode was produced by myself along with Ian Cohen and Joel Yetton. Find me and keep up to date with this podcast across all social media platforms at I'm Cappy's Plate. Beyond the Plate is on all the socials at BT Plate Podcast. Please rate, review, and subscribe to this podcast on your listening site of choice. Thank you for listening to Beyond the Drink, a production of Beyond the Plate. I'm Cappy.